Hello, gorgeous people. Welcome back to Wishing You Wellness. Today is so special, you guys. Not only is this our 10th episode of the podcast, but we also have an incredible guest that I'll be introducing here in one moment. But first, I want to share something with you guys. It's Wednesday, right? Wednesday? Yeah, I think it's Wednesday. Um, it's really hard to keep my day straight out here in the desert. And also, sidebar, it was 104 degrees on Monday. 104 in March. Welcome to Death Valley, I guess. Anyway, I want to share with you guys that on Friday, April 1st, something big is happening. I will be launching the Wellness Haven. This is my absolute passion project. It's my baby. It's where I've been throwing all of my time and energy lately. The Wellness Haven is a virtual safe space slash support community. And there's a blog filled with wellness tips. There are two options for you to join in the community. There's an awesome email list where you can receive like free monthly journal prompts, mindfulness activities, high vibration playlist, advice, and so, so, so much more. Again, this will be launched to the public on Friday, April 1st, first thing in the morning. So be sure to be on the lookout. The best way to find the site at the end of this, or the best way to find the site is going to be at the end of this show. I'm going to leave some show notes. Or if you want to keep on the, keep up on the Instagram, it's at wishyouwell.podcast. I am beyond thrilled to share this with you guys and to just watch this space grow and thrive and turn into something bigger than me and bigger than us. So let's waste no time today. I can't tell you guys how excited I am about today's guest, the lovely Amanda Barber. She is a life coach who specializes in something very interesting and very necessary, I think, for a lot of people on a healing journey. I want to pass it over to her for this part. Amanda, why don't you take a few minutes and just sort of share a little bit about who you are, where you're at geographically, and what it is that you coach women on specifically. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to get into all of this. Um, so yeah, I am a self-love and codependency coach. And specifically, I get into relationship codependency. So when you're dating and you have that feeling that you need your partner to survive and to feel emotionally regulated, all of that is what I help women sort of overcome and release. And I think what is really unique about all of that, about what I do, is I use the power of self-connection and self-love to release codependency because I think so much of it is from coming from a place of disconnection. So yeah, that's sort of essentially what I do. And I'm actually, I'm coming from Colorado Springs, Colorado right now. Um, but yeah. Ooh, I love Colorado Springs. I was actually there on my way out, moving out to Death Valley. We stayed there for the first time and it was beautiful. I have only ever been to Denver before that, but Colorado Springs has some beautiful mountains. Oh, it is so gorgeous out here. I've been here and I am just, I'm still exploring and learning all of the places that you can explore here. It's gorgeous. Yes. Where were you living before Colorado? Because I know a lot of Midwesterners, myself included, have like fled out West. So I'm curious where you originate from. Yeah. <laughs> yep. From Cleveland, Ohio, about a year ago. <laughs> yeah. So that about adds up. We, we, it's, it's the weather out there, you know, coming out West, it's just so much drier and sunnier and the mountains are obviously just incredible 
Yes, and there's just landscape. I was raised in like central southern Illinois where there is nothing besides like cornfields and cows and like fast food joints. So it's such a change of pace moving out west or just moving to a city even. Yes, absolutely. On that. I, I lived near Cleveland, so I did get to see like it was like a suburb, but I totally feel you on like the cornfields because if I'm driving through Ohio, it is just cornfields. <laughs> yes, we are some corn fed girls. I love that saying being corn fed. Thank you, Amanda, for doing that nice introduction for us. And without further ado, we are going to dive right in. Okay, you guys, no more waiting. Let's get straight into this. This is a topic that I think is so important for us to talk about because even those of us who are in like super healthy, happy relationships, we're still at risk for struggling with these codependent traits. I kind of grew up as a very codependent child. I really just like needed my parents. And then when I got to the age that that wasn't it anymore, I needed my boyfriends or I needed my roommates. And I've always been someone who struggles with just looking around for external like affection, external support, external affirmation. And a huge goal I've set for myself this year is to really just figure out the why. Why do I look around at others to give me things instead of just, you know, stepping up and providing those things for myself? And I'm very excited because hopefully soon I'll be doing some work with Amanda. And I am so excited about that. I did one of her little master classes and just the insight she was sharing, like on taking your power back and just being a more independent, strong version of yourself. That was so inspiring. So I do have a few questions for you, Amanda. The first one I have to ask, why codependency? Why did you choose to specialize in that particular area? Was it something you struggled with and then overcame? Or have you always been just super independent? Yeah, so it was definitely something I had. And um, that's why I'm just so passionate about it. Because when clients, I know, I know how they're feeling. Um, but essentially, what started everything was my breakup with my first boyfriend. And so we were dating for six years um, between the ages of 16 and 22. And so, wow. yeah. So when we, I was like, I had no idea to, how to function as a single person because all of my adult life so far was in a relationship. And so mm. at that time, like looking back now, I can see that I was exhibiting codependent and there was a lot of unhealthy habits that I had in the relationship but in the relationship I idea I thought like oh this is healthy and this is normal so when we broke up and I entered like that first era of singlehood I was like holy shit this is really really hard for me like I can't handle this you know that's how I felt at the time I felt like I needed a relationship so bad in order to feel whole and complete. Um, you know, I remember just like trying to manifest, oh, if I find another boyfriend, I'll be happy again. I'll be good. 
Um, I remember like even if I was alone for a couple hours at a time, I would just start crying because I was so empty and so alone. Um, so that was sort of the mindset I was in. After a while of that, I realized that, you know, the mindset that I was in around relationships was really unhealthy and I wanted to really work on that. So I decided to just start working on myself and working on my growth and trying to be like the best I needed to be. And I think that codependency and healing that was a really important step for me. And um, absolutely. Yeah. And so I, you know, I did, you know, journaling, mindset therapy, books, you know, the whole nine yards. And I created this massive, massive transformation within myself. And all of the work that I put changed my life. I feel so secure in myself. I feel independent myself. And I think in relationships as well, like I found a place of security where if I'm alone, if I'm with another person, I'm okay. And, um, you know, going through that whole process and all of the work it took to get here, um, I just, I'm so passionate now about helping other women, you know, let go of those struggles as well, because I know exactly how they're feeling. Absolutely. And I think that it's very, very empowering to know that you are like the holder of your power and the holder of your happiness, because when we rely on people to give us everything externally, that can be yanked away from us at any given point. That person could break up with us. They could, you know, vanish. I don't know. They could get freaking kidnapped to Australia. We don't know. Anything could happen. And when you're relying on external forces, you're kind of just a, like the whim of whatever happens to you. Whereas when you step into your power, when all of your confidence and your affirmation and like your support, when that comes from the inside, nothing can really touch that. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's, and the one thing um, I think about, you know, becoming independent, it's not about, you know, feeling anything, right? Because if, you know, if I was in a relationship and I got broken up with, I would still be sad. Um, but I wouldn't feel this like aching emptiness inside. Um, that's mm -hmm. like, that's the shift, right? You know, we can still make connections and we can still, you know, find comfort in other people. But we know deep down that if we had to do it on our own, we definitely could. Yeah, it's it's learning to love in like a healthier capacity. And I think that also helps our relationships because when we're more independent, we're not like needy. I used to be so needy in some of my relationships and that's not good for either side. That's not good for your partner either. That's going to wear them out. Yes, exactly. It's like finding the balance of what I can bring to myself and what I need my partner to, to support. Exactly. It's that balance. So Amanda, what in your opinion is the source of codependency? Like what do you think causes it to manifest within some of us, but not all of us? Hmm. This question is difficult to answer. I think, I think codependency is so complex because there are so many different ways that like a behavior can, um, I think, I think there are two big things that really 
to codependency. Um, one, I think a big con contribution is society. And when we are young, I think a lot of it is formed during like childhood and like our teenage years. Um, but especially women, when we are young, we are like sold this idea that a relationship will solve all of our problems. You know, that's like, that's like the number one goal in happiness. I remember in high school, like everyone wanted a boyfriend. And if you have a boyfriend, you were like, it was like this like social, um, what am I thinking of? You know, you're like higher up on the social hierarchy if you have a boyfriend and yep. Yep. find someone who completes you. That's what they say. And yeah, exactly. And so I think it was like instilled in, in that like relationship equals happiness. And when we're told that over and over by like movies, books, peers, parents, all of that, we start to create this belief that in order to be happy, we need to be in a relationship. In order to be happy, we need another person there to complete us. Um, when that could not be farther from the truth, right? Um, Absolutely, because it's all inside of us as an internal thing. Mm -hmm. And relationships are obviously very as humans we want to connect but it's when we're sold this idea that it's like we need to rely on our partners and we need to rely on them for our happiness and our emotion or that they complete us and we're not whole without them that's when it's unhealthy um we're told that at such a young age so i think that is a huge reason why so many of us might feel like we need a partner in order to be happy. We're like sold this story from such a young age. Right. Absolutely. And I think that we're also sort of sold this idea. I don't know about you, but I had for the longest time, like these crazy unrealistic expectations on a partner's role and like what they should be bringing to the table, what they should be doing for me. I used to seriously expect my partners to fulfill every one of my needs. Like, physically help yeah. me out emotionally support me support me and that's such a bad way to have a relationship because then the other person is just your caretaker they're enabling you without even trying and you're not bringing the same thing to the table that they are because you just need someone to take care of you it's like you're looking for another parent rather than an equal and a partner mm -hmm. yes I'm so glad you said that um can you still hear me Yes, I can. Okay. Sorry. I, I'm so glad you said that because my next point was going to get into your primary caregivers. Um, so it's funny that you said because we generally do look for partners that sort of mimic what happens in our childhood comes to our primary caregivers. So um, I think a lot of what can, you know, differentiate between someone who might develop like an anxious attachment um, and if for those who aren't familiar with the attachment system there's anxious attachment secure attachment attachment and anxious attachment is when you are exhibiting like codependency and you you have this like need to be really close with your partner. And if there's any sort of distancing, it makes you want to pull closer. And so there's like this roller coaster of emotions when you are anxiously attached to somebody. And um, if you are anxiously attached, you're 
likely exhibiting a lot of codependent behaviors. So when you are growing up and your caregivers, your primary caregivers who are meant to take care of you and support you and hold you, if they are showing up inconsistently for, you know, emotionally or for physical, physically providing for you, it may cause you to form an anxious attachment because when you were younger, you don't really know what is going to happen, right? You sort of have to like guess based on your parents' mood or, you know, it's like hot and cold and you never really knew what to expect. People with this anxious attachment sort of develop this like hyperactive sense of like regulating other people's emotions. So like you can like really tell if someone has a shift in their energy. And um, so this leads to codependent symptoms because you begin to believe that other people's emotions are your responsibility and vice versa. You also rely on other people to control your own emotions. And so, oh wow, yeah. So I think um, a lot of this will develop in childhood. And I think that's why, you know, some people who grew up in their household who didn't have to experience those hot and cold changes and emotions or, um, you know, they grow up to have a secure attachment that's healthy. And um, I think that what is what differentiates a lot of it. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, if you, if you don't have that, you sort of have this, um, this anxiousness all the time, because you're so afraid going to be a shift in energy like from your partner and you're like you Mm -hmm. want to regulate that and you want them to regulate you which totally leads to yeah which I think would lead to some like people pleasing too right because you're constantly trying to make sure everybody else is feeling good they're feeling okay your partner's feeling good and you're kind of neglecting yourself and your needs yes exactly you are and that's exactly what codependency literally doing everything in your power to keep this person with you because you think if this person is physically with me then I will be happy and so you do everything in your power to like make them stay and it leads to a ton of people pleasing behaviors because you see like a small shift in their energy you know have you ever like had you know your significant other like come home from work and they're just like in an off mood and maybe you know they had a bad day but in your brain you're thinking oh my gosh they're mad at me because they seem upset when in- oh yeah yeah like it has nothing to do with you but like you think it's your responsibility oh my gosh my partner's upset it has to do with me I have to fix this and you like do all these things when in reality they're just upset from work and it has nothing to do with you and that's a cognitive distortion. That's that, um, what's that one called? That's personalization, taking something that has nothing to do with you and is not a slight at you, but taking it and like feeling attacked or like feeling like it was made personal to you, feeling like your partner is quiet to spite you or it's not giving enough attention or whatever, rather than the real truth, which is they're tired from work. They just work 12 hours or they have a lot going on and they're just mentally not in the mood to do a bunch of talking right now. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't, if you're not aware of this, 
you're just constantly going to create these, you know, disconnections in your relationship because you're assuming that your partner's upset with you and you might take it out on them by, you know, giving attitude back. And, um, you know, if you just were able to realize, hey, this has nothing to do with me. It's not my responsibility to regulate my partner's emotions. You know, a lot of these relationship issues would not even be something that you have to deal with. Right. And I think that when you work on your codependency, you are doing it for yourself, but it's also a good thing to work on, you know, for the benefit of your partner, because you're mm -hmm. not going to be able to hold a relationship if you show up as the super, super needy version of yourself that is just looking for all this validation. You have to start inward. But that leads me into our next question. I think there's like this stigma or this common thought that people who are in a relationship can't work on their codependency. But I want to know, do you think someone can work on their codependent tendencies while actively in a relationship or a partnership? Or do they need to do the whole eat, pray, love thing and like fly to Italy and like block their eggs? <laughs> um, I know absolutely you can work on codependency <laughs> when you're in a relationship. Um, I think it doesn't matter whether you are single or if you're in a relationship, I think you can work on codependency. And, but I do think they are two very completely different journeys. So, you know, when you're single and you're working on codependency, a huge focus is like learning how to be alone, learning how to be independent and self-sufficient and loving that period of singlehood. You know, there's a lot of navigating loneliness and learning how to self-soothe and all that good stuff, right? But I love that self-soothing. I love that. Um, but yeah, when when it's when you're in a relationship, it's a whole different ball game and I mean that doesn't mean you can't work on it. And I actually think you can hear of your codependency when you are in a relationship. And yeah, the triggers are right there. You're exposed to the triggers. Exactly. Exactly. When you're in a relationship, that's when you can get triggered. And I think that your triggers are always an opportunity to learn about yourself and grow from each trigger. Yes. Our triggers show us like they kind of zoom in on the unhealed parts of us or the parts of us that need something. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, you can't, you're not in a relationship and you're not dating none of those triggers can come up. So you can work, you can be working on yourself. You can be alone for four years and like really be self-sufficient and so independent. But the second you have a new partner, that might trigger something in you. Maybe he doesn't text you back for six hours. And all of a sudden, all of these old like emotions that you've worked on for so long are coming up. You're so anxious. You're like, he doesn't like me anymore. He's upset with me. He's, you know, talking to somebody else. All of this comes up and you're like, what the hell? I did all this work. And here I am feeling anxious again. And it's just because that's just not a trigger that you had to heal from. And it was like a different kind of trigger. It was the trigger of being alone and how to love yourself. Um, you know, independent of somebody else. And so it's just like a whole different ball game um, when you're in a relationship because you have to face the scary parts that come up and grow from them. Absolutely. There are those scary parts. I know exactly what you're talking about. As somebody who has my codependent moments, I just catch myself. They're just little sort of micro moments where 
I think, should I start this little petty argument because he's not giving me enough attention? He's playing his video game. And then the brain goes, well, no, because he's not put on this earth to entertain me every second of the day. That's not his purpose. He is put on this earth to love with me and play and explore together. But it's not his job to constantly be engaged and like, you know, always giving, giving, giving. Sometimes your partner has other interests or other hobbies or wants to spend time with their friends. And I think it's really important to learn how to reframe those thoughts and to not take that personally and to actually like see it in a good light. Your partner wanting to do things that aren't just hanging out with you usually means that they have other interests, which is great. It usually means they have other friends, other goals. Maybe they're going to the library to read. Maybe they're going to research, but it's a good thing to have separate lives happening. And I feel like for so long, I struggled in the past with if he doesn't give me absolutely everything, if he doesn't fill me all the way up, I guess he's not the one for me. And that is such a distorted way of thinking. Yes. Yeah. We're sort of taught that like when you get into this romantic relationship, they're here to meet all of your needs, but sometimes your partner can't meet all of your needs. Like you have your partner for like that intimate portion of your life, but then like you know, maybe he can't meet the needs the same way you can or your mom can or a sibling can, right? Like you have all these different relationships for different It's unfair to expect your partner to be there to cover everything on top of being his own person and having his own hobbies and having his own relationships, you know? Yeah. This is a synchronicity. I saw an Instagram post earlier and this girl was saying, if you expect your masculine partner to respond to your you like telling them about your day or like telling them about drama if you expect them to respond the way your girlfriends would it's going to disappoint it's not going to happen if you expect your partner to give you things that you get from your girlfriends i mean they're different people there's different things they're going to bring to the table maybe your girl pals are the best ones to talk about you know the little dramas going on in your life or the little problems And maybe your partner is better to talk about everything else with because that's what he knows how to respond to. He doesn't really know what to say when I'm, you know, problem jumping about everybody at work. I mean, that's not his specialty. He'll still listen. Like, I love that. But there's multiple people in our life for a reason. I think that it's not fair to expect one person to fit every criteria for you. And a lot of the criteria we need to fill for ourselves, actually. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And we would never put all of this on like a friendship the same way we put it on a relationship. And I always think it's important to kind of look at it that way that, you know, you are secure. A lot of us are, you know, we tend to be secure in our friendships, but not in our romantic Um, Mm. And I think it's important to try to look at your romantic relationship with the same that you have when you're looking at like a friendship I feel like we don't like hold them so tightly the way that we do with romantic relationships yeah yeah and back to the thing on movies and books so I grew up a hopeless romantic watching all of the rom-coms reading all of the romance novels and I think in a way that's where some of my codependency stemmed from not saying I'm blaming media but I was consuming so much bullshit about this perfect fairy tale love story where you never fought, 
You went to sleep cuddling every single night, just perfect spooning. You were jumping into bed three times a day, no matter what. And he's bringing you flowers every single day. And I just filled my brain with, pardon my French, some toxic, no, I'm not even going to say that bomb right now, some toxic effing stuff. I convinced myself that that was what love looked like. Like the movies, like you're always just slow dancing in the middle of a freaking busy street. Like all of these stories and narratives, I convinced myself that's what love was supposed to look like. And so eventually when I figured out you're not going to find that because it's not real, that was a big shifting point for me. I started to realize that relationships aren't meant to be up and down roller coasters that are filled with crazy, crazy highs and crazy lows that's the sign of a turbulent relationship. Like you want to be stable. You want to be steady. And I used to think that if you were stable in a relationship, that was boring. And if you weren't up and down, up and down, like screw that I'm bored. And that's not the mindset to have. Yes, exactly. That is one thing when, you know, going all through this with myself, it's like, when you get those like butterflies and those like that like deep desire to be with somebody you're like oh my gosh yes this is my person when in reality um most of the time it's because the relationship is a little toxic and they're giving you these like you know it's almost like love anxiety yeah and they're they're like giving you what they want and then they take it away and then when they give it to you again like you are just like flushed with all of these like amazing good feelings because you're like oh this is what I've been wanting and he's giving it to me but it's like healthy right we don't want that roller coaster of emotions um, because it's not healthy and, you know the low points are really low and they suck uh, yep and when you meet a secure partner a lot of people who have dealt with those types of relationships before then they're like oh he's boring or she's boring and in reality, it's like you just you think it's going to be this crazy whirlwind. Feelings right. You crave chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So like that sort of like putting yourself into like a little bit of doing a little reality check because those movies and the books and everything that they show you is not true. And when you hold your partner up to that, that standard, you are going to be let down. And even if they're like going to be a super healthy and supportive and incredible partner, you might like let go and like not give them a chance because your idea of love is like an unhealthy version. Right. It's funny. I was actually giving advice to one of my much younger friends the other day, and she was talking about this guy and, you know, it was sounding pretty turbulent, and not good. And I had said, you know, do what you want to do. But I also would understand wanting to walk away from this. It seems like a lot of stress for you. And she said, but he gives me butterflies. And I literally just stopped. I was like, girl, that's anxiety. Those aren't butterflies because I used to mistake that for butterflies. He's like, no, that's just anxiety. Your nervous system knows that this guy is no good and knows that there's going to be ups and downs. It's telling you to run. And like, I'm not saying all butterflies are that. Like, it is super normal and super awesome to feel like lit up when you see your partner, like really excited or like warm and fuzzy. Warm and fuzzy, that's what I think it should be. That's what you should be craving, that warm, safe feeling rather than that like, oh, my heart's going a thousand miles per hour. It's jumping out of my skin. 
Right. Yes. We confuse those butterfly feelings with love when that's just not it at all. Right. Okay. So the very last section I want to get into is one that you and I have been talking about lately. After I did Amanda's masterclass, she gave us a couple journal prompts to get into. And then she also challenged us to take ourselves out on a date. And this is something I was super excited for because I am living out here in Death Valley for a little while longer. It is so beautiful. And I've spent a lot of time hiking with friends, hiking with my partner, but I haven't spent a lot of time out here in nature reflecting on my own. And so that was such a good reminder that I need to go spend some quality time with myself. Like I want to go and date myself. And so I went out back behind my dorm, laid out a blanket, had lots of snacks. And then I just turned my phone on airplane mode and spent an hour with myself. And I ate my snacks. I took a little nap in the sun. I did some meditating, some journaling. And I came inside feeling so connected with myself because I had actually taken time to fully spend on myself. Because when you spend time with yourself, but you're sitting on your phone, you're not really alone. That's not really you time. You're texting Mm -hmm. people back. You're still with people. Um, So my question for you, Amanda, is what does dating yourself mean to you? How do you do it? And do you have any ideas for our newbie listeners who maybe haven't done that before? Yes, I love this topic. It is my favorite to share with my clients because it is such a beautiful way to just really connect with yourself, but like in a fun way. You know, we we go on dates with our partners or our potential partners and, you know, the the intention of going on these dates is like to connect with your partner more or to get to know your partner. And so when you're trying to work on like independence and codependency, I think the most important thing to do is connect deeper with yourself um, by yourself. Right. And so when you're, what self dating is, is going to try to connect more with yourself and get to know yourself more. Um, And I think it's a really spend um, intentional time alone and begin to become comfortable spending time with yourself. I think a lot of us can, um, it can be uncomfortable to, you know, go off and spend a day alone if that's not something you do. And so I think just doing these like little solo dates allows you to just be comfortable spending time alone. And over time, you'll be able to grow to love your own company. I love spending time alone. And that wasn't always the case, you know, as I mentioned earlier. But now, you know, after I've tried new things and learned to love myself and connected with myself and gone on all these dates, I love my own company. And I love going on with myself. It is so much fun. I absolutely love that you said spending time with ourselves intentionally because I realized that all of the time I was spending by myself before this realization was unintentional. I was spending time with myself because my boyfriend was at work or all of my friends were busy. And so then I was like, last resort, I guess I'll hang out with the scrub. And it's like, no, you should be happy to spend time with yourself. You shouldn't just do it because there's nobody else around. And one of my big goals is to kind of get to a place where somebody will bring me an option like, hey, do you want to go do this? And instead of just going so I'm not alone, I want to be able to go, eh, no thanks. I'm actually going to go do this by myself because this would fill my cup today and this would feel good to me and this would make me happy. That's a benchmark I really want to reach. Yes, yes. just being in a place where 
you're so calm. It's so it's restorative. It, and I've, you know, I found myself that alone time is restorative and I need intentional alone time in order to, um, you know, fill my cup back up. So, um, yeah, I love that you're doing that. And, um, yeah, when it comes to like intentional alone time, I think a lot of us do spend time alone, but we are so distracted by TVs or our phones or, you know, food and all of that because we're so afraid of that uncomfortable feeling when we are alone. And so, like you mentioned before, like turning your phone on, do not disturb and like being really intentional, like, okay, this is my time to spend with me, to connect with me, to, you know, just feel how I'm feeling and not, you know, look to any of these distractions to like make me feel better in this moment. Right. I like that saying, face yourself. Like I didn't really get that until recently. Face yourself, like be alone with those thoughts. Stop running around trying to numb it out or eat so you can't feel it or distract yourself with TV. Like stop moving your brain and like your inner world. It wants to speak with you. It wants to tell you things, but it can't because you're just so filled with distractions and I don't know what it is. It's sort of an irrational fear that I've always had of just like, what is my brain going to do when I'm alone? Like what thoughts could surface up? It's a little scary because, you know, I'm doing a lot of shadow work and I feel like that goes along with it too. It's like recognizing all parts of yourself and kind of uncovering that not every part of you is sparkly, sunshiny, your best foot forward. There are some parts of us that are really like unhealed and need that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think as well, when you are first starting out, that's when it's the scariest trying to avoid being alone, because if you're not used to it, the feelings that come up when you are alone and you do face yourself might be feelings of like loneliness and sadness and emptiness. And you have to like sit with those emotions and like let them come. And we don't want to do that because, you know, they don't feel good. Try to avoid negative emotions as much as we can, but Sometimes we have to just sit there and let them come and let them pass so that we can get through to the other side and get to a place of feeling good and feeling comfortable by yourself. Mm -hmm. I am realizing slowly but surely that 99% of things worth having are on the other side of some discomfort and like Mm -hmm. pushing yourself out of that immediate zone of comfort. You have to be willing to sit with yourself and feel awkward and nervous. It it is kind of like a first date with somebody else when you think about it. Like the first time you're on a date with yourself, you're sitting there, you're like, oh my gosh, what do I say? I want to impress her. Like, what do I do? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're like going out in public. So like, um, you know, maybe you wanted to go to like a local bar and sit at the bar and you're sitting there and you're like just overthinking everything you're doing. Like, do people think I'm weird that I'm alone? Should I be looking at something? Should I be talking to the bartender? You know, get in your head when it's like, girl, just sit there, just sit there, eat your food, drink your drink. You know, you don't have to. Absolutely. Um, One thing I do think is that our own company, if we can get comfortable with it, if we can get to a place where we enjoy it, it is the best company we're ever going to have. Because when we hang out with friends or with a partner or with family, there's always some level of compromise, right? You're in your car, you're like, all right, guys, where do we want to eat? 
everyone throws out their idea and then you compromise all right boyfriend which movie do you want to see he tells you what he wants to see that you guys compromise but like when you're alone with yourself you get first pick of everything you get to watch that movie you want to watch you get to go to that restaurant you want to go to you don't have to compromise at all you just get to do what would fully make you happy in the moment and that's a really magical thing about our own presence is we always know that we're going to be doing exactly what we want to be doing rather than just doing something for someone else yes yes i am just being able to you have the power to do whatever the hell you want to do right now because you don't have anyone back so just do what you want that's beautiful just do it. Yeah. I, I love what Maddie Mabel said in this podcast episode I just listened to is like, life is a game. Stop taking it so seriously. Like we're here to have fun. We're here to enjoy. So do that. Enjoy. Yes. Yes, exactly. And date yourself and date yourself. Well, thank you so much for coming on with me, Amanda. I am seriously so excited to share this with the listeners. I think there are a billion downloads packed within this episode and yeah, I just really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was, oh, I think this was such a beautiful conversation. And I really so many women need to hear this so they can connect with themselves and then be able to connect with people. So I appreciate you having me on. This has been fun. Yes. This is, I always feel so energized after I record an episode with somebody else. Like after me and Shannon's episode, I went and went for a little run. I don't even run normally, but I was like, I have so much pent up excitement and energy because when you're talking with aligned high vibrational people who also want to be a better version of themselves it really just drives you forward and inspires you and it's awesome yes yeah I totally agree I'm the same way yes yes all right thank you so much for listening you guys to yet another episode here on wishing you wellness as I stated at the beginning of the episode the website will launch on Friday April 1st so make sure to have those notifications on. I will see you next week and I hope you have a magical, magical Wednesday.